On today's episode of the Blue Bloods, September 9th, there can only be one DBU and Texas is not back. We're going to be taking a look at the outcomes of our pick six matchups. Uh, we report the Blue Bloods top 15 poll. Uh, we're going to do our hot seat, uh, present our updated playoff pictures, and then we have the introduction of two new segments, Upset of the Week and Top Performers. Uh, today's going to be a big show, so let's go ahead and get it started. Let's go ahead and get started, uh, Zach. Let's let's start out with our pick six outcomes. So, for anybody who didn't listen to our last episode, our preview episode, our pick six segment is going to be a segment where we choose six games on the week. Uh, we give our predictions. We we give analysis on these, and then on our recap episode, what we're going to do every week is talk about how those six games turned out, uh, see if our predictions were correct or how we did, and um, overall, just give you know, a game recap on these six matchups. So why don't we go ahead and get started with West Virginia and Missouri this weekend. Uh, Missouri came in as a 14-point favorite, and they covered that spread easily against West Virginia. Yeah, man. Uh, Kelly Bryant looked good again. He didn't have the explosion of yards he had, like, last week, but he still went 17 for 25 with three touchdowns. I mean, in my opinion, I still think those are – fine stats for a quarterback. He played a lot better than Austin Kendall, the quarterback for West Virginia. Austin Kendall struggled really bad this game. Only 137 yards with two interceptions, and he had a 14 QBR. Um, you're not that's, beating an that's SEC. Rough. Yeah, you're not beating an SEC team like that, and they could be in for a long season. Um, this West Virginia team has shown that they cannot run the ball only 30 yards rushing this week. And last week against the Division II team in James Madison only had 34. So they have 64 rushing yards in two games. I mean, even even though you play in the Big 12, I mean, you cannot win a game rushing for only 30 yards. So that is going to be a huge focus and a huge need to improve for West Virginia in that area of their football team. Right, and West Virginia didn't look great overall as a whole unit. I, I mean, if you look at the turnover margin, they turned over the ball three times. Uh, one of those was an interception that was run back for a touchdown by Missouri. Uh, Missouri had no turnovers, which may have made all the difference in the world for them because time of possession in this game was was very similar. Uh, we see West Virginia with 29 minutes of possession, um, Missouri coming in with 31. Uh, but in these turnovers, I mean, they, they, they can kill a team, and, you know, that – that was shown this weekend by West Virginia dropping the ball by 31 points. And this wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, they want, you know, it was a close game. They still lost by 31 points. No, they didn't even score any points until the last five minutes of this game. Yeah. And I know a lot of people were thinking this game was going to be a lot closer because Missouri lost to West, uh, to, to uh, Wyoming, my bad. Um, and I think West Virginia won their game against James Madison, but they should have lost that game. And I would say Wyoming, Wyoming is a lot better team than James Madison. 
So I feel like a lot of people didn't give Missouri the credit that they deserved. I mean, it was still a close game against Wyoming. You should not lose that game. But overall, Missouri was the better team. Listen to our last episode. I said Missouri was going to win, cover the spread, win by double digits. And this game really wasn't going to be close. And I think Missouri just showed they had a lot more talent than West Virginia did. Right. Um, I also predicted that Missouri would win this game. Um, I it is a 14 point spread. And so I, I did say that West Virginia would cover that. I thought that both of these teams were pretty similar. Um, I was proven wrong, but in the end on the stat sheet, it's still going to come off as a win for me. Yeah. I mean, I think both teams are in for a long, a long season, especially in the conferences they play. I don't see West Virginia competing. I think that I think the only thing they're going to compete with is Kansas for the bottom of the Big Twelve. Right. Um, any finishing thoughts on this matchup? I think that I'm ready to move on from this one. Yeah, definitely. All right. So with our next matchup, um, this game was also at eleven o'clock Central. Uh, Cincinnati at Ohio State, and I'll be the first one to say I was totally wrong about Cincinnati. Um, and, you know, coming into this game, I thought this game would be a lot closer. Ohio State ended up winning 42 to nothing um, at home this weekend. But I thought Cincinnati could pull out, you know, maybe pull out a few touchdowns. I thought that their quarterback had, had kind of some electricity to him. I thought that maybe he could uh, spark some drives, uh, maybe encourage this team to hold in this game. But it didn't seem that way at all. No, Desmond Ritter, who's quarterback for Cincinnati, played – I mean, one of the worst games of his career, um, only 166 yards and an interception, um, 19.4 QBR, while the quarterback for Ohio State and Justin Fields look absolutely every bit as advertised coming out of high school and coming out of Georgia, 20 for 25, 224 yards and two touchdowns, along with two rushing touchdowns. Um, right. And, and while Justin Fields did look amazing this weekend, let's not forget about J.K. Dobbins. I mean, he had 17 carries. 141 yards and two touchdowns in this matchup. He looks, I mean, he may look like the best player in this offense this weekend. I agree. I think J.K. Dobbins is the best player on this offense, and he does open up a lot for Justin Fields. Um, You know, when they're stacking the box to stop this running back who's running all over you, Justin Fields has the ability to make you pay. Um, And Justin Fields also has the ability to make you pay with his legs if you drop back in coverage and there's no one open. But he's he's going to outrun any defensive lineman they play this year. Um, I think that's what makes this Ohio State offense really hard to stop. And um, their new coach is lucky to have all these weapons that Urban Meyer brought in to make this offense as explosive as it is. Right. Um, And with the last matchup, I mentioned turnovers. Uh, We see the turnover margin in this game. Ohio State had zero turnovers while Cincinnati had two. Uh, And and while I was studying up on this game, on this matchup, you know, watching it and everything, I was like, well, Cincinnati doesn't look terrible. Um, You know, they had 273 combined yards this this weekend um, compared to Ohio State's 508. But it's these turnovers that make the difference. Uh, That and it seemed like Cincinnati couldn't get a first down to save their lives. Yeah, the turnovers definitely made a difference. I also think it was the penalties, um, 10 penalties for 78 yards, while Ohio State only had two penalties the entire game. Um, when you're on the road playing the top five team that it, that was clicking like Ohio State is, you cannot set yourself back with penalties. And having 10 penalties for close to like pretty close to 100 yards, you're not winning the game on the road against the top five team, no matter who you play. 
Right. Um, and, and this game makes Ohio State look really good, in my opinion. Uh, Cincinnati may have lost this matchup 42 to nothing. But, I, you know, they have a great head coach in Luke Fickle. Um, they have a pretty good quarterback in Desmond Ritter. And they are going to be a team that competes for the AAC, I think, this year, I think, for years to come. And for Ohio State to beat them 42-0 to zero at home, I think this, this speaks numbers about this Ohio State team this year. I agree. Um, people might say it was not power five team, um, whatever you want to say, to shut somebody out and not let them score in a game, no matter who it is, is impressive. And to shut out a team like Cincinnati, who we saw come out last week and beat UCLA by double digits, um, I'll be the first to say I did not see this coming, um, especially a shutout against the Cincinnati offense that the last few years has been pretty explosive. So I think Ohio State was one of the better performers of the week, and this this team put a lot of people who might be sleeping on them on notice. Right. Uh, and, and to speak on Cincinnati again, uh, this is probably going to be the the matchup of the year for them. Uh, this is going to be their hardest team that they play. You know, Other than this, they, they play UCF um, in week five, uh, but they're, they're playing in Cincinnati. And, and so, honestly – that's the reason that I say that they compete for the AAC this year. Um, they just don't have too much competition. I mean, besides UCF, they have Houston. Um, I think that'll be a good game. And they have Marshall. And Marshall's shown to be a pretty strong team this year uh, so far. But th- this, is a, this is a Cincinnati team that I think will compete for the AAC, like I said. I think they will, too. I think um, Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF, um, they'll, they'll all be – right up there in the ACC competing for maybe a maybe a potential upper tier bowl game when I mean, we saw UCF make two straight uh, New Year's Six Bowls so it's not out of the question and I think people see the ACC the AAC can compete when getting in, the, in those bowl games with UCF competing with LSU last year and beating Auburn two years ago um so I think that Cincinnati will be motivated the rest of the year, and I think they could take a lot away from from facing a team like Ohio State. Right. And moving on from this matchup, uh, we move to our first matchup between ranked opponents on the weekend. Um, that's going to be Texas A&M at Clemson. And I'll be the first one to say it. Trevor Lawrence does not look like the quarterback that he was last year at all. No, he he didn't play – as well as he did last year. I think he set the ball really high. I wouldn't say he had a bad game, though. Um, almost 300 yards passing, a touchdown, you know, a bad interception. But the problem for this, the problem for opponents playing Clemson are these wide receivers. Um, Justin Ross is a grown man at 19, 20 years old. Um, seven receptions, almost 94 yards and a touchdown. And he made some catches that were just disrespectful to the defensive the defensive team of Texas A&M. I think also that they had to step up because uh, Travis Etienne was held in check, only 3.3 yards per carry. He did not get a lot of space to work. So Texas A&M's strategy was to take the running game out of it and make Trevor Lawrence beat them. And he showed that he can still beat them. And I don't know know about some other teams that might not face Clemson, but I don't know anyone in college football who can keep all these wide receivers they have in check. No, um, and I agree with that. Uh, to touch on you know what you said about Texas A&M holding uh, ETN, he wasn't even their top rusher this game. Uh, 
<laughs> we we actually see uh, another running back, um, Lynn J. Dixon, who looked like he had a great game while I was watching it. Um, looking back at his stats, you know, they, they, they you know, it was nothing crazy. He averaged around seven yards a carry um, and a touchdown. But it to think that, you know, to think that ETN didn't have the most rushing yards on this team is something insane. And I think that's something that this, uh, this Texas A&M defense prepared for all week. I think they've actually been preparing for this for, uh, for a majority of their offseason. Yeah, you could tell that they game plan for this game really hard. Um, I think the biggest factor in uh, Clemson's dominating win this weekend was Kellen Mond looking absolutely pedestrian. Um, Last year, when they almost upset Clemson, it took Kellen Mond's probably best game of his career. He made plays with his legs. He made the throws under pressure. He could get out of the pocket. He could extend plays. Um, This year, he didn't look very good. 24 for 42, 236 yards, a touchdown interception. Um, I mean, not very accurate. He Clemson's defensive line is amazing. They were in the backfield constantly during the game, but Kellen Mond's going to have to step up. I mean, only had one yard rushing in this game. And I personally, I thought he needed 50 to 75 yards rushing, but they held him in check and he just did not make the plays to have this team, to like put this team in position to win. No, and this is a Texas A&M team that had possession for a majority of the game. Uh, to think that they were beat by 14 points is, is – is, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me how they, you know, how they could have the ball for a majority of the game. Um, they converted, you know, they, they got a, they got plenty of first downs. Um, they were only a hundred yards short of uh, the total yards that Clemson got. Um, they just, they, you know, in this game seemed this game, the final score was a lot closer than the game really seemed. Uh, this didn't seem like a two touchdown game. It, you know, to me, the whole game, it seemed like uh, Texas A&M was being beat pretty soundly. Yeah, and really and truly, the final score should have been 24-3 to with A&M having a junk time touchdown. Um, I no. mean, Clemson's, Clemson's defense played just outrageous football, and a lot was made in the preseason about how they lost so many people, so many players to the NFL draft. Well, this defense looks just as good or better than the defense last year, and they still have time to grow up and come together. And this is only the second game of the year. So this Clemson team could be really, really scary come toward the end of the season. Yes, they could. Uh, and, and to touch to touch back on that uh, on that garbage time touchdown that that Texas A&M had. Did you see how upset Brent Venables looked when they scored that touchdown? He, he yeah. wanted everything in his being to hold them from scoring any points. Oh yeah, I mean, well, there's the sense of pride in not allowing uh, the number twelve team in the country to score a touchdown. And, I mean, I'm sure he was a little emotional because, you know, his son was on the field, as I'm sure anyone who watched the game saw. So, you know, his son's probably going to get chewed out at film for being on the defense that allowed the only touchdown for a of the game. But I'm sure he expected more of a second string because, I mean, if you notice programs like Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, when they put those second string, third string players in there, they have the same expectations as the first team defense. And it's even worse because the first-team defense has those expect- expectations as well. They spent three-and-a-half quarters holding holding Texas a and without a touchdown, and then you guys are going to let them score in junk time. I'm sure there were some, some conversations on the sidelines to those backup defensive players from the starters. Yeah, I'm sure there was. Um, any closing thoughts on this one? 
No, all I know is Clemson is going to be extremely, extremely hard to beat. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, moving on to the game of the week. Um, I, I think that's pretty <laughs> unanimous. Uh, LSU at Texas. This was college game day. I thought as soon as Lee Corso put on that tiger head, we were done for. Um, I thought he chopped our legs off. I thought there was no way that LSU was going to be able to pull out this victory. And their offense just looked unstoppable in this game. Yeah. Just to start with the first note is what a, what a, I cannot believe in the second straight week, what a game has been on ABC primetime. I mean, two straight weeks we've seen just heck of games between LSU and Texas and Auburn, Oregon. I mean, we could, as college football fans, you cannot ask for two better primetime games, but I'm just here to say Joe Burrow is the man. Joe Burrow might be in New York in December when it comes to Heisman time, if he keeps us up. 31 of 39, 471 yards and four touchdowns. He threw a pick. I don't care. Joe Burrow is what was the best quarterback on the field that night. And he might be right now. He might be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And let's talk about DBU for a second. Um, so against DBU, Joe Burrow threw for 471 yards, four touchdowns, and the interception he had was by a linebacker. Um, and I don't, I don't think that linebackers count as, as defensive backs. Am I right? No, they definitely don't. Um, the only problem is I don't think LSU can talk too much about DBU. Sam Ellinger also threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. And LSU did not get an interception. Um, really and truly – this DBU debate still might be up in the air. And I think there's some other schools around the country that might have a claim to DBU after watching this game. I mean, uh, if that's the way you want to put it, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll relay that information uh, to Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson and uh, Greedy Williams, etc. cetera. Um, and we'll get back to you on that one. Uh, I'm making the t-shirts. Anyone who wants one, send us a DM. They're, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm in such a good mood. These t-shirts are free. If you want a t-shirt, send us a DM. I'll send them out probably by the end of the week. Um, no, but, but, but to touch on Sam Ellinger again, I mean, he, yeah, he threw 400 yards, threw for four touchdowns, but uh, he went 31 for 47. There's a big difference at 31 for 39 and 31 for 47. I agree. Joe Burrow is the better quarterback and played the better game, but I think the the spotlight of the game both quarterbacks play great but the spotlight should be on where was texas's running game where like they they that was so that was such a trash running attempt like running game plan by texas i mean and that in my opinion that's what cost them the game if they had just an average running game out there this game probably was going into overtime and texas might have taken it um i it's it's insane to me that you're you are texas University of Texas, and you cannot recruit running backs. I mean, you look at who's the leader in rushing yards. It was Sam Ellinger with 60 yards. I mean, it's, that, that should not be the case. Um, but, but to talk about the running back again, Ingram, um, something that I also you know, I strongly believe cost them a game was that dropped touchdown in the first quarter. He was wide open at the end zone. Ball hit him on the hands. I'm sitting there on the ground in my living room. <laughs> I'm upset. Um, 
<laughs> because I thought he caught the ball and then threw it down. Turns out he just the ball wide open in the end zone. Yeah, and you can't – the fact you have two fourth and goals from inside the two-yard line and you do not get points on either drive, that – that cannot happen. I mean, your offensive line has to man up, and you just have to have someone fall, just fall across the end zone. <coughs> it's, it, it's unacceptable to be in a primetime game like this at home, and you can't score twice from inside the one-yard line. Right. Um, and, and so we see LSU go up big at halftime. We see them go up 20-7. to seven. Uh, I, mean, that's a, I mean, that's a two-possession game. And then – after halftime, we see the Tigers blow this lead, <laughs> and this is the point in time where I'm over here sweating bullets in my living room, thinking, oh, no, there is no way that we're going to give this game up. Uh, I mean, it's just I can't believe that our offense isn't producing. I can't believe our defense is letting so many plays go by. Um, and just about that time, it just seemed like LSU's offense was clicking, 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 and they could not be stopped. Yeah, uh, so I'm just here to tell all the Texas fans that listen, that last pass by Joe Burrow is going to play in your nightmares for weeks because if he winds up winning the Heisman or being in condition, condi- contention, Joe Burrow, that throw where he rolls up in the pocket and throws it like off one foot over the top of a defense and offensive lineman and hits um, – I believe it was Justin Jefferson in stride for on a third and like 18. That play was his Heisman moment. Yeah. Um, that, that play, and, and let's not discount Justin Jefferson for a minute because he is an outstanding receiver. Um, he and Chase are going to lead the Tigers this year in receptions. Uh, but Justin Jefferson, and for my LSU fans, this is the brother of Jordan Jefferson. Um, a past quarterback who I don't have too many kind words for. Um, but we see him having a breakout season this year. I think, I really think that, um, that he could be in contention for the Heisman as well. I agree. And I mean, his stats were just insane. I mean, nine receptions, 163 yards and three touchdowns. That, right. that is just amazing stats for a primetime game. And you never see wide receivers nowadays have those type of stats. No, especially not at the college level. Um, you know, you, you see a few breakout wide receivers, you know, in the NFL every year. But from at the college level, these numbers are outstanding. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just here to say I told everyone who listened to this podcast – that LSU was the team to beat in the SEC, and I think this just further backed up my claim. Right. Um, I predicted this game that LSU would win and they would cover the spread. You know, and when I said that, the spread was five and a half points. I said that they would win by a touchdown, and I'll, you know, uh, not to brag or anything, but I was spot on. Um, once again, if you need any gambling advice, hit me up. I retired, so I'm here for advice only. Zach. You said they would win by double digits. Uh, any comments? Yeah, I mean, they didn't win by double digits. They had the lead in double digits up until, in what, 30 seconds left in the game when they allowed uh, Stan Elliott to throw straight down the middle of the field to a wide open receiver. Yeah, um, just, just right in the middle of the field. Yep, it, it was kind of embarrassing. I mean, for a second there, I thought I was going to be the prophet after my terrible prediction for last week, but – 
of course, LSU's defense let me down. They didn't get an interception like I thought they were. DBU, would, baby. Yeah, so I don't know. I think the DBU debate is unsettled, and um, I still, but I still think LSU is the best team in the SEC as of today. Yeah, and that's why you're not getting a T-shirt, Zach. Uh, moving on from this matchup, we have we have um, UNC Miami. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, so the first thing that I have to say is Sam Howell might be the best freshman quarterback playing in the college football right now. I'll disagree, um, but I'll touch on that later. An, another solid game. He's not lighting up the scoreboard, but he's being so consistent. 274 yards, two touchdowns, 16 of 24, playing great football. He's not turning the ball over as much as, you know, other true freshmen um, might might be at this point of their career. He looks like a veteran out there. He, the moment is not too big for him. He, he has UNC with victories over two solid teams. I, I think they have the argument as, you know, being one of the teams that have – that doesn't have a cupcake on their schedule so far and have beaten two very good teams. And my other takeaway is Miami is, might be two plays away from being 2-0 and with a win over the number 18 – uh, over a top 10 team in the country and a UNC team who just beat a really good South, T- South Carolina team. Um, Miami just seems to always be one, two, two plays away in every game. And I, I think it's going to – this 0-2 start hopefully has not, you know, hurt this team too bad because I think they have the talent to really be good. Right. And, and for those who didn't watch the game um... – we see a North Carolina team that led this or that led this game for, for the most part. Um, they lost the lead late into the fourth quarter with about four minutes left. Um, they went down 25 to 20 and with a minute left, Sam Howell throws a dime to Daz Newsom uh, to take the lead and they convert the two point conversion. Yeah. Um, it, just an outstanding game. But the thing that I want to also focus on is Jaron Williams, the quarterback for Miami. He had another outstanding game, 30 for 39, 309 yards and two touchdowns. And he's also a true freshman. Uh, Let's not forget that. Yeah, I mean, he's – I believe he's a red shirt, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is he? Oh, he's a freshman. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a freshman. I think he's a red shirt. He's had a a year to kind of sit and learn. But, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that were in front of him, I don't know how much you could really learn from the quarterbacks Miami has had. In the past few years, I mean, you're not really learning much from Tate Martell, but that's another story for another day. Um, but I think Jaron Williams has a very bright future, and I said this um, if you listen to one of like our first episode. Um, I really, really think Jaron Williams can be an X factor for this team. It could lead them to compete for the ACC one day, but right now, I just don't think this Miami team has enough talent around him. And that offensive line still has to get better. I mean, they had a better game than they did against Florida. But I would argue UNC's front seven is not Florida's. And they they just need to keep growing and keep learning together. They have two true freshmen on the ends of that offensive line. It will come. It will come eventually. But until then, I don't think – I think that's going to be the main factor holding back uh, Miami from competing in the ACC. Right, uh, and Miami came in as a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh, Zach and I both chose UNC to win outright, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I'm not going to say that we can see into the future, but I won't deny claims either. Uh, <laughs> this, this was a great matchup, though. Um, I mean, one of the better games of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, 
you know, we see both teams just, I mean, the yardage that was put up. Uh, I mean, Miami went for 488 total yards. UNC went for about 100 yards less than that and still, you know, still brought out the W, um, 389 yards. Neither one of these teams had any turnovers, and neither one of these teams had any problems converting first downs. No, they didn't. And um, I'm just here to say that this North Carolina team could wind up in the ACC championship in December. Um, they already had that first conference win. Um, the, they still, if you look at their conference, they've already beat Miami. They have Virginia Tech, which has not looked very good this year. They have Pittsburgh and Georgia, Georgia Tech, which both haven't looked good this year. Duke, I'm going to hold back on making a judgment. Their one big game was against Alabama. That's not a fair matchup. I, want, I would expect everybody in the ACC to lose to Alabama except for Clemson this year. And they have Virginia, which is sneaky which is a now a, a top 25 team as they just the rankings were just released before this episode. Um, that's going to be a sneaky game for them, but I think they can get out of here and, you know, be in the ACC championship and compete with Clemson. I don't think they'll beat Clemson. Don't, don't believe that. I don't believe that yet, but I'm ready for the misquotes. That, <laughs> right? quote, everyone quote Zach on that one. Uh, North Carolina will beat Clemson this year. <laughs> um, but for Matt Brown's first year, getting getting to the ACC championship, that is a heck of a first step. Right. Uh, and, and this is going to be a dangerous North Carolina team moving forward. Um, you know, and we've touched on it a lot, but Sam Howell is a true freshman, and we just don't see these numbers out of true freshmen very often. So it's, it's something special to see. Um, these next couple seasons, keep your eye on North Carolina. You know, if they don't, you know, if they don't end up making it to the conference championship this year, th- this could be a very dangerous team in their in the near future. Yes, definitely. Um, next year could be a huge year for them. And we'll wrap up this pick six segment with the game between Stanford and USC. Uh, the one game, the one matchup that Zach and I disagreed on. I thought that the underdog Stanford could pull this one out, especially with JT Daniels missing the uh, remainder of the season uh, with an ACL tear and a meniscus injury. Um, but as it would turn out, his backup, Keaton Slovis, is an absolute monster <laughs> of a man. Holy cow. He went 28 for 33 this game. I mean, that's 85% <laughs> passing. And it's not like, you know, it's not like that 85% passing is, you know, he, he dropped off. Yeah, five passes. He completed four of them. Uh, he it was twenty eight completions, three hundred seventy seven yards, and three touchdowns. This how how are these numbers possible? What's going on with these What's going on with these freshmen this year? Uh, well, if you look at it, I mean, I think going all the way back to Jalen Hurts um, when he first came out, and then you have Tua and Trevor Lawrence and Jake Fromm, and I mean, you have multiple teams. Right now, starting true freshmen, like you have USC, you have North Carolina, you have Auburn. I mean, they're all starting freshmen, restart freshmen. Miami is starting restart freshmen. Um, I mean, these kids are coming ready to play. They are coming in developed, and they're coming in ready to compete. Um, but Keaton Slovis is the real deal. Um, this kid, I don't under – even if JT Daniels comes back healthy – Next year, um, I think he's on the transfer portal watch. I don't think Keenan Slovis is going to give this job back easily. No, it's, it's going to be tough. And, and I also think it's going to depend on – and this is we, – we've seen one performance, well, I guess about one and a half performances for uh, Slovis this year or total. Um, 
I think this is going to depend on a, on a multitude of things. It depends on who their head coach is going to be. Um, it depends on, you know, if this head coach makes any, you know, any changes to the coordinators. Um, and, and, of course, it's going to uh, make a difference based off of the remainder of Slovis this season. Yeah, and I see it being a positive season for him. I think I really was very surprised. I mean, I picked USC because I thought they were going to rally around um, – their starting quarterback, JT Daniels, being hurt. But little did I know, the backup quarterback looks even better than JT Daniels did this year. Um, they have a tough schedule, though. I mean, uh, they play at BYU next week. And, you know, we'll get to BYU later. And, you know, they beat the team that shall not be named on this podcast. Um, we'll talk about it. But then they they have three straight games against ranked opponents in Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame, two of those being on the road. Plus, they still have a game – um, against Oregon later in the season. Um, I, I really just uh, – I don't know how good this team is going to be. Um, this is one performance, um, but I think it's positive. And if they can beat some of those ranked opponents, I think Clay Helton can buy himself another year in Southern California. He might can, but I, I think that all of the odds in the world are stacked against Helton right now. Um, the schedule um, – and – and to be honest, I mean, it's looking up from what I thought it was. I thought that every card in the world was stacked against him when uh, when JT Daniels went down with his injury last weekend. But it's, it's looking a little bit up. But, I, you know, honestly, I don't see any way that USC can uh, pull out a stellar season. And I think that his job's still in jeopardy. Yeah. And one thing I want to talk about about this matchup is what happened to Stanford's defense? Last week, they won a close game against Northwestern, 17-7. to Everybody was talking about how their defense was back to the old Stanford defense. They gave up almost 500 yards and allowed over 50% third-down completion percentage for USC. I mean, that's not going to bode well when they go up against other Pac-12 teams with some high-powered offenses. Yeah, um, and I've heard rumors that Stanford is applying to be in the Big 12 next season with this defense. Uh, it, you know, it, it truly looked non-existent. Um, I, if this is the way that Stanford's going to play for the remainder of the season, it's it's also going to be a tough one for them. I mean, I mean, their their schedule is no joke either. I mean, yeah. they've got they've got Oregon in two weeks. Not to mention UCF next week, um, Washington, but they have Washington at home um, week six, and Notre Dame to cap their season off. But I mean. This this Stanford might be in might be in for a tough one. Yeah, I think they might be, and um, uh, I think if stuff goes really really south, I mean, I think David uh, David Shaw could might might have to visit the hot seat um, hot seat <laughs> debate later in the season. But we'll see. You can't write them off yet. One loss to a hot shot freshman and a USC team on the road isn't cause for the world burning down, but they need to turn this around very, very fast. Right. They absolutely do. Um, so let's go ahead and end or cap this segment off. Uh, any, any final thoughts on no. the matchups this weekend? I don't think right. so, man. I, I think it was a hell of a week for college football. And there were a lot of good games, a lot of games that a lot of people weren't expecting to be good that ended up coming down to the wire. So I think for the second week of the season, this was a heck of a week. Speaking of games that uh, some people didn't think were going to be very good, uh, let's talk about our upsets of the week now. 
Um, and Zach, I think you have a little bit of explaining to do. Uh, how's Nebraska looking right now? Yeah, not 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 very good. Not um, great, huh? Yeah, no. Uh, Colorado, Nebraska looked good in the first half. I'll give them that. But being outscored, uh, by, what was it, thirty-one to fourteen in the second half? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, not not great. And you know, a lot of talk was being made about them having more fans in Colorado in the stands, but fans don't win you football games and. Scott Frost needs to figure it out because um, he had very high expectations this year, and if those uh, don't if those keep being if he keeps falling short of those expectations, um, he he is also going to join the later segment in the hot seat talk if he doesn't get his stuff together. Right. Um, so I've chosen this game as my upset of the week, uh, mainly because I just like to bag on Nebraska as much as possible this season. Uh, I made a big deal over thinking that they are super overrated. You know, they're everyone's dark horse to win the the Big Ten West this year. Um, with with Washington, the running back, um, they, they think that he's a great player. And he is a great player. You know, that's not to take away from him. Uh, I think he performed very well this weekend. But you, we, we can't act like Nebraska is better than they are when they struggled against South Alabama week one. They lost to Colorado week two. I mean, we, we, we've got to stop with this. Yeah, we, we do. Um, I think it could be a long season. And I think putting them third in my Big Ten predictions, I mean, I could it's be tough. proven wrong. But we'll see. Long season ahead. I, don't, I still don't think they'll be six like you had them. But we'll, they'll have some big games coming up. We'll see exactly how good they are. Yeah, a lot of football left. Um, they lost this game in overtime, of course. Colorado kicked a field goal in overtime to uh, to win this game. Um, other than that, I, I mean, I mean, they were beating uh, Colorado pretty soundly in the first half. I mean, it was seventeen to nothing at halftime, and then Colorado just rallied to tie the game at thirty-one and and uh, essentially put this game, you know, in the ground with their uh, yeah. with a thirty-four yard field goal in overtime. Yeah, I was very impressed with Colorado. And we'll get back to them in a later segment um, on the show today. And who's your upset of the week? Um, yeah, so both our upsets of the week went into overtime. Um, I believe my upset of the week was probably a more exciting game. Um, but I had BYU over Tennessee. BYU pulled it out 29-26. to 26. Um, I really, like, even in my notes, I just have – I literally have written down no words for Tennessee. I mean, will they win a game this year? Uh, it's up for debate. <laughs> Stay tuned. I don't, I don't know. Um, you keep I saying your name. What, what do we say about that? <laughs> I just I just don't – I don't – there's no way they win an SEC game this year, man. I would they, be willing to put – I mean, because they, they have a – they might lose to UAB this year. I mean, UAB has to be the favorite in the game at this point, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. I just I, like, and the thing that got me about this game is where was the effort? How do you have a, a coverage breakdown on a four verts call where the safety doesn't help the cornerback and the wide receiver's fifteen yards behind the cornerback, and it, and then the safety overruns it, overcorrects, and the wide receiver cuts down the middle of the field to go all the way into field goal range. You seem upset. It just uh, it's just bad coaching for us. Like playing instead of play on like rookie. But like you're playing like your little brother that doesn't know like coverage, it's it's just wild to me. And then the play that made me mad, like ah, I was upset. I don't care who won this game really. I'm not a I'm not a SEC 
homer where I root for every SEC team against everybody. But on the play that BYU won on, the game-winning run in overtime, he was stopped at the line of scrimmage at, like, the five-yard line. And Tennessee just left the offensive line, push him for, like, six yards into the end zone for the win. You know that touchdown is going to lose the game for you, and you get big-boyed by BYU, and you are an SEC team. That That is just, un- that's just insane, and I just have no more words for this game. I, lo- I love the level of um, – of, of, uh, I like how literal you're taking this segment, the upset of the week, because you are very upset uh, with this matchup. <laughs> um, I, I love the emotion. Good show out of you. you. You you're showing a lot more emotion than Jeremy Pruitt at this point. Please fire him. Uh, if you know what's if you know what's good for you, Tennessee, please fire this man. What is that recruiting going to be like? How do you bring a kid into the campus and be like, hey, you want to come here? It's like, dude, you literally just lost two straight games. One to Georgia State, who almost lost to Furman this week. Furman was a better team than Tennessee this week. God, dude, I just Furman, you gotta watch out for them though, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna be Clemson, right? I totally see it. This is frustrating, man. Because Tennessee can recruit. There is no problem getting kids to come to that program, but you have a bunch of kids who can't even beat Georgia State and BYU. Ah, this is I don't know. It's gonna be a long season, man. I'll let's move be on before. Let's move on before Zach has an aneurysm. Um, let's, let's, let's move into our top 15. Um, so we've decided to label our top 15 poll the Blue Bloods top 15. Uh, we are now a national publication because I guess anyone can be. Uh, and with that kind of power, we can declare a ranked list of college teams and even crown a national champion later on. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, uh, that's why Alabama has like 19 million national championships. That's another debate for another episode, man. That's, that's for the all-season podcast. We moved on. You don't have to be so angry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for our conspiracy podcast up next. Uh, (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead. We're going to do it the same order that we did it last week. Um, We'll, we'll name each, you know, we'll go down the list. We'll start at 15, moving up to one. Uh, Zach and I will both uh, read our ranked teams. And this week, since we already have our pre-established rankings, we will um, mention the movement of any team up or down in our list. So let's go and get started with number 15, Zach. Yep. So at 15 this week was a team that wasn't ranked in my top 15. So last week I had the top 25 so I could keep up with how far people moved up. And moving up two spots is Penn State to 15. Um, this was mostly due to some teams dropping out of my top 15. Penn State hasn't been impressive, nor have they been unimpressive. Um, they just kind of have been average so far. So. They kind of struggled against Buffalo in the first half of yesterday's yeah, game. They struggled in the first half, but they pulled away at the end and was the better team. I feel like you get that plays a team like Buffalo. The team and the fans come out just just mundane, I would say, unenergetic. Tables. Yeah, you know, all the frat stuff that you see on like old road posts and everything like that. So right now I have Penn State at 15. Until they play some bigger games, I'm going to hold off on – making a final judgment about them. Um, at number 15, I've, I've got the team that was number 15 in my rankings last weekend. Uh, that, that's Utah. Utah's looked impressive. Um, you know, they, they're, they're showing weaknesses in their offense uh, that I think are going to be exposed as they play better teams. Um, you know, they beat BYU, but BYU struggled against Tennessee. So I, I, I didn't want to penalize them for that. 
but uh, I'm going to keep them right where they're at. I don't think that they deserve to move up or down. Um, and to stay consistent with last week, let's go ahead and do this uh, snake style. So I'll go with number 14. <laughs> uh, my number 14 team is Texas A&M, and I hate to move them down four spots from where I had them last weekend because they played such a good Clemson team, and they covered that spread. They only lost by two touchdowns. But they should have lost by three touchdowns. I think Clemson could have scored more if they, if they really wanted to, if they really tried. Um, this was the Texas A&M offense that didn't look great at all. And last weekend I mentioned that the uh, team with the better defense would win this game ultimately, and that proved to be Clemson. Um, I hate to penalize a team for losing to Clemson. You know, they're the best team in college football in my opinion. Spoiler alert, um, but I've got Texas A&M ranked at 14. Yeah, so just as like uh, in case that way you're not listening to figure out where they are, Texas A&M actually fell out of my top 15. Ooh. Um. I really, I mean, I'm, I know Clemson's good, but three points is unacceptable. Um, they really didn't look good. I don't see them like I even. I, it made me give a perception. Uh, it made me like change my perception about A and M a little bit. Um, they have a chance to regain it later. They have Auburn coming up in two weeks. They have a long SEC slate, so let's just hold off. They have a chance to move back up, but right now I had to take them out of my top fifteen. Um, at fourteen, I have Oregon. Um, who was my number 15 team last week. So they went up a spot. Um, dominating win over Nevada. I know it's just Nevada, but to beat any team 77 to 6 is a pretty good showing. So I was really impressed with Oregon. So they move up a spot in the rankings. It's pretty good. Pretty yeah. Good. And then um, number 13, I have the team that played in the game of the week. I have Texas. Um, that's, they dropped four spots um, from number nine. Uh it should have been a double-digit win for LSU if it went for a junk time touchdown by Sam Ellinger. Um, I think the run game is going to come back to haunt them. Sam Ellinger cannot be their leading rusher in, in Big 12 conference games. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to be a big struggle for them early, like later in the season. So right now, Texas drops four spots, which I think is a reasonable drop for a team that lost a pretty a really good game to LSU. Um, so with my number 13, I also have Texas, uh, and I had a hard time moving them down at all. Um, I mean, they, they played a great game against LSU. Um, but of course I'm going to have to punish them. And, and the reason that the reason I have them uh, dropping three spots is just because I think that other teams are, uh, have played better than them recently. Um, you know, my rankings may or may not be justified. That's not for you to decide. It's for me to decide because I hold the power. I'm a national uh, syndicated publication, apparently, and I have that kind of power. So moving on to number 12. Um, oh, ten, Texas was a, a three-spot drop for me, and I think that's okay for you know losing a week two game. Um, number 12 for me, and this may come as a surprise, and I had a hard time keeping them in my top 15 after this weekend. I've got Michigan uh, dropping five spots from number seven last week. They played an overtime game with Army. And I'm going to let that sit for a second because they played an overtime game with Army, and Army really should have won that game. They missed a field goal at the end of regulation um, that, that put them into overtime, and then they missed an extra point in overtime to lose that game or, or to not tie that game to keep moving forward. So I don't think that Michigan is nearly the team that I thought they were in past weeks. I think that 
I was dead wrong when I ranked them at the top of my Big Ten East last week or on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Well, so at 12, I have a, another Big Ten team that's not Michigan. have Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin was my number 16 team last week. They were not in my top 15. I moved them up four spots. They are just – I don't even know what to say about – They're a wagon. Wisconsin. They, they will just beat everybody to death so far this year. Um, they've been so impressive. They've been one of the more impressive teams, I would say, in college football so far. So I moved them up four spots to 12 because I think they have shown better performances than some of the teams that were behind that, that they were behind last week. And then my number 11 team is Utah. Um, have a little bit harder than Brandon does. Um, I think the win over BYU might be a little understated. I think BYU is always a tough team. They played them on the road. Um, they have a tough – I think the Pac-12 is going to be a little bit tougher than people are giving it credit for this year. So I have them moving up three spots. Last week they were 14. Um, you know, Texas dropped, A&M dropped. And um, so I think moving them up was justified at this point. So I moved them up three spots to number 11. With my number 11, um, I've got Notre Dame. And Notre Dame made a two-spot leap, even though they had a bye week. Uh, I really wanted to drop them for having a bye week this early in the season. doesn't make sense to me. But they didn't lose a game, and I felt like I was a little bit too harsh with Notre Dame um, in our last ranking, ranking them 13th. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be a pretty good team, I think. Um, and I mean, I really have nothing other uh, nothing else to say about Notre Dame because, like I said, they didn't play a game this week. Um, and at number 10, I've got Florida moving up two spots. Um, full transparency, I was very upset with Florida. And in weeks past and episodes past, they, they played a terrible game against Miami um, in week zero. And so I, I was very low on them. Um, I'm going to have to boost them up by at least two spots this week, though, to my number 10, just because, you know, they had an impressive, even though they played UT Martin, uh, they, they, they showed out this game uh, and they looked, they looked pretty good. Yeah, my number 10 team was also Florida moving up one spot. I had them at number 11 last week. Um, I think they look great against UT Martin. Nobody read into Felipe Frank's performance because that will not be his SEC performance. Um, no, he's terrible. Other than that, until Florida plays, you know, not UT Martin, um, I'm just going to leave my opinion where it is at this point. Um, and my number nine team, I have Auburn moving up one spot, mostly just because Texas lost. Um, Auburn didn't look great against in their game against Tulane, 24 to six. Um, a lot of people were really high on Tulane, shockingly. The, um, Auburn covered the spread, which is only 16, I believe. Um, a lot of people were really high on Tulane. They have a lot of transfer talent. Their starting quarterback played at LSU and Justin McMillan. They have a lot of NFL prospects on that team, shockingly, for, for Tulane, um, at least. So Auburn did, Auburn's offense struggled a little bit. The defense looked just as good as it did in the second half against Oregon. Um, but for right now, Auburn's going to stick at number nine for me. At number nine, um, I have a team that was not ranked. It's actually my only uh, non-ranked team from last week to make my list this week. Uh, I've got Wisconsin. I'm very, very high on Wisconsin right now. Um, I think that they are a great team. I think Jack Cohen is an amazing passer. I think that Jonathan Taylor is probably the best running back in the country right now. I've got them chosen to win my Big Ten. Um, and I will touch on them again later. I think they're a great team. Um, and 
if if I would have had my full twenty five last week, I had Wisconsin at seventeen, so I guess this is an eight spot jump. Um, I should have had them ranked last week. I can't believe I didn't. Uh, moving on to number eight, I've got Auburn. Uh, they were number eight in my poll last week, so they made no you know jump. They didn't drop at all. Uh, I don't think that this was an impressive win against Tulane. I, I know that a lot of people are high on Tulane, like Zach said uh, just now, but it's Tulane. I mean, this game's expected. Their offense looked pretty inconsistent. Um, I'm not going to move them up for that performance, but I also won't move them down. Yeah. Um, so my number eight team is Michigan. Um, only dropped a spot in my rankings. Um, I know Brandon's probably going to have a stroke. Um but the reason I only dropped in one spot is because Army does this every year. They should have beat Oklahoma last year. Oklahoma made the playoffs. That this Army team easily could go eleven and one. Like their offense, this triple option, everybody struggles to stop it. I'm not putting a lot of stock into what happened. I'm actually not surprised. That if I had to pick another upset of the week other than the one I had, I was going to pick Army over Michigan. Um, I still have Michigan in my playoffs just because I think this Army game was a big test and they learned a lot. That's absolutely I don't think, nuts. I don't think Michigan is a bad team. I think they still win the Big Ten, the Big Ten, and I have them at number eight. Um, and then my number seven team, I have Notre Dame uh, going up a spot mostly because I dropped Michigan down, um, and I they didn't play. Uh, they looked impressive over Louisville, but they didn't play. So that's all I'm really going to have to say about Notre Dame until they play some more games. Coming in at number seven for me, um, and this may shock the world, uh, and this is a team that that I think has been very good, very underrated. Um, and, and I mostly moved my list around a whole lot this week just because, you know, uh, I I looked at my list from last week and I realized that I don't know if I really believe it. Um, I couldn't convince myself. I realized that Zach had a lot of his opinion in his list, and I don't want to make my list just chalk. And so with number seven, I've got uh, the University of Central Florida. Um, they've been a team that has been uh, that has been very low on a lot of AP lists, on a lot of college football playoff lists, uh, just because they are in the AAC. Um, they're not in the Power Five Conference, but – this team has lost one game in two and a half years. I mean, I, with Brandon Winbush coming in from Notre Dame, I mean, it, he looks like a whole new quarterback in this UCF system. And so for that reason, I have them ranked number seven. Uh, number six with a two-spot drop, and it's not because they're not a good team. I think they're an incredible team. I'm very high on a couple other teams um, in my top four. Uh, I've got Oklahoma. Um and and I'm going to stop it right there because I really have no defense for dropping them two spots. But um, I've got Oklahoma there because I'm very high on a few other teams. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, so for number six on my list, I have Ohio State. They stayed the same. They were six last week. They're six this week. I couldn't justify dropping them. They look great. But the teams above them have played better this year and I think a better team. So Ohio State's going to stick at six until they make a statement over somebody. Um, my number five team, also a team that didn't move in my rankings, is Georgia. Um, they played Murray State, gave up 17 points, which is not promising, but I think it was late touchdowns and stuff like that. So I'm going to keep Georgia at number five until they play a big game and show me 
who they really are. So they're just going to stick at five, and Ohio State's going to stick at six until another team either loses or they prove they can beat a quality opponent. All right. Um, my number five is also Georgia, uh, dropping two spots from number three this past weekend. This one, I mean, Georgia's a good team, and I think that they were looking over Murray State a little bit. Um, but, but like I said, I'm very high on two other teams that are going to be placed right above them, uh, starting with my number four, who is Ohio State. Ohio State has moved up two points in my, uh, in my poll, um, and this is just basically because they blew Cincinnati out of the water. I didn't expect that at all. Um, I think that Dobbins is an incredible running back. Um, I think that Justin Fields is a Heisman candidate quarterback this year. And so for those reasons, I have them ranked at number four. So at number four, I have Alabama. No movement. Kept them at four. They easily could be higher, but I think that the next three teams on my list have proven to beat better teams and and so far have had better performances than Alabama, who have only who's only played Duke and New Mexico State. Um, so number three is Oklahoma, dropping one spot from number two. Uh, they they played a I think I believe it was South Dakota, um, not a very good team, dominated for seventy points. Jalen Hurts looked amazing, but their drop is only because I had a team jump ahead of them who probably had the most impressive win of the weekend. All right. Um, and number three, I have LSU. Um, and, and I'm trying my best to not be biased here, but I, I honestly think that LSU is a top three team in the nation at this point. Obviously, Zach thinks the same, uh, just based off of um, – just, just if, I, if I'm using logic here, um, I think that you have LSU in your top three too. Um, this, this spread offense that they've implemented is perfect for Joe Burrow. It's perfect for their wide receivers. Their running backs are consistent. Their defense does need to step up. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you there, but this offense is just – they are fast. They are on fire every single week. And so for those reasons, I have them at number three. And number two, and this is basically just because I could not – you know, I could not drop them because I haven't seen anything negative come from them. Um, I have Alabama. That's where they were at last week for me. That's where they'll stay until they until they lose a game or until another team shows me that they are better than Alabama. Yeah, so my number two team is LSU. I moved them up a spot where I had them at number three. I think LSU has shown enough to show that they're the better team than Alabama and Georgia right now. Um, I honestly think they have the best win in college football right now. I think Auburn's win over Oregon is a close second, but I think Texas is a better team than Oregon. And I think LSU has the best win. And just because of that, I'm not going to let – the preseason, the preseason expectations of teams determine dictate who I keep up at the top. That's why I have them above Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and teams like that. And then I think it's chalk at the top for right now. How do you move down Clemson after a dominating performance like that? You can't, uh, and that's why they're my number one as well. Um, yeah. it, this is a very impressive team. I mean, I mean, and until they lose a game, at least for me, I, I can't move them anywhere. Yeah, I completely agree. They will be my number one until they get beaten or a team just has such an impressive stretch of runs that I can't help but put that team number one. But I don't see that happening. So until Clemson slips up, they're going to be number one in my my top 25. Moving on from our top 15 segment, um, we are going to move to our playoff picture. 
Uh, and once again, you know, if you missed our last recap episode where we had our playoff picture in our top 15, our playoff picture isn't just going to be the top four teams in our, in our poll. Um, I know that's pretty confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but neither does a lot of what we do. And so uh, for those reasons, we've, we've got our, we've got different playoff pictures than our top four in our uh, polls. So Zach, why don't you go ahead and get started with your playoff picture? Yeah. So last week, Brandon made me look like a scrub. So I actually have my playoff picture ranked now, um, including the next two out. So at number one, I have Clemson. Um, number two, I have LSU. Three, I have Oklahoma. And four, I have Michigan. Um, I think the Pac-12 gets let, left out. Uh, their top two – their top two of their top three teams uh, have losses now. Um, Washington lost to Cal last night, 20-19, to 19, um, in an embarrassing upset, in my opinion. There's no reason that Cal did not have – should not have pulled that upset off just based off talent. Um and Oregon's lost to Auburn in a neutral site week one. So Utah is the last hope, and I don't think they go undefeated this year. So I think the Pac-12 gets left out, and I think that the four I have in my playoff are the four four of the five uh, Power Five uh, champions in Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Michigan. And my first two out, um, my first one out is Georgia. I think they lose to LSU in the, in the SEC championship and miss – getting in the playoff um, by one spot. And my second team out is Notre Dame. I think they, I think they finish 11 and one. Um, and I think their schedule's not strong enough to have one loss and still get in the playoffs. No, and, I, and that, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I've got, I'm a little bit, I'm not quite as hot on Notre Dame as you are, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, moving on to my playoff picture, uh, with the number one spot, I've got Clemson. You know, they, they're, I think they win the ACC. I don't think anyone's really going to give them a challenge this year. Um, and for that reason, you know, they're, they're going to remain number one. I mean, I just said it. They're going to stay number one in my poll. They're going to stay number one in my playoff picture until they prove to me that they don't deserve to be there. Um, with number two, and this one is probably going to come as a surprise, maybe not if you've listened to anything I've said over the past few episodes, but I think that the number two team in the nation by the end of the year will be Wisconsin. I think the Badgers have, have a great squad. I really do, man, and you're laughing. But but I think that I think that this team is the complete package. I mean they have an offensive line that looks like a brick wall. Um, they probably have the best running back that they've had in years and that's saying something. And they've got a quarterback like Jack Cohen who can air the ball out, unlike any Wisconsin quarterback um, you know, since uh, Russell Wilson. And, and so for the, for that reason, I've got them at number two on my, uh, on my list. Um, number three is LSU. Uh, I do think that LSU wins this championship this year, or at least I think so. I'm knocking on wood right now, or I hope so. Um, uh, this is a great team. Uh, this offense really just clicks. Um, their, their defense needs some improvement, but this offense can carry them all the way, in my opinion. Um, and at number four, I've got Oklahoma. Oklahoma wins the Big 12, uh, 12 in my opinion, um, and that's the only reason they're in my top four. I think they're a great team. I think that uh, Lincoln Riley has done wonders with Jalen Hurts, who I thought was a good quarterback before this year, but he has just shown out this year so far. Um, my first two out, I've got Alabama. Um, I, I think that what ends up happening is LSU plays Georgia in the SEC championship, and after Georgia loses, they get knocked down a couple spots and Alabama sneaks in the fifth somehow. Um, that's just how it happens sometimes. And then 
at number six. My second team out is UCF. Um, I'm pretty hot on the Black Knights right now. Um, I, I I think they've got something to prove, especially coming off of these past two seasons, um, making it to uh, New Year's six games. And for that reason, I've got them as my second team out. Wow. I, I honestly don't think UCF wins the AAC this year. That's that's bold, Zach. Um, but but yeah. you know we're in the business. We're a hot take factory. We mentioned <laughs> that. Uh, that's our business, and so we'll keep on moving with that. Um, so our next segment is a new one. Um, it, it's called Top Performers. Zach, why don't you go ahead and explain the segment for the listeners? Yeah. So each week, um, me and Brandon will each pick three top performers of the week. This could be teams. This could be players. This could this could be just about anything. It's just three things that caught our eye um, this week. Um, I'm mostly focused on teams because there were enough teams to fill this list. I'm not going to pick five or six top performers that caught my eye that I would want to give a shout out to and talk about. So, um, um, so how we'll do this segment is I'll give um, my top performer. Brandon will give his, and we will go down the list of our three top performers. Um, so Brandon, do you want to start off with your top performer? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start off. Um, my top performer this week is the LSU offense. Um, if you've listened to any of this episode up to now, you probably could have known that I was going to say this. Um, Joe Burrow's electric. I mean, he, he is just clicking in this offense. Um, their receivers, I and mean, we've got Chase, we've got Jefferson. I mean, they are all, and not to mention, uh, Moss, the, the tight end, um, they they can all I mean, they can do it all really, and and they can make something happen. Um, and they are just playmakers. Uh, to you know, they are the definition of that. And so, yeah. uh, for that reason, that's why they're my top performer. I'll agree. I'll give you that. Um, just a side note, guys. Me and Brandon make sure that we don't pick the same three top performers, so you don't have to hear us talk about the LSU offense for forty five minutes. As much um, as, as great as that would be. <laughs> yeah. So um, my top performer actually would probably be my top performer um, so far, even over the LSU offense. Um, and it's Wisconsin just as a whole. Um, as Brandon, as y'all all know, Brandon is super, super, super high on this team. Um, and honestly, I don't blame them. I still don't have my playoffs, but I bumped them up a lot in my rankings. And they can they have room to keep going with some big games coming up. They have a bye week next week. Then they get to go to the big house and play Michigan. That is going to really determine, and I think they have a chance to jump just multiple spots with that, with a win over Michigan in the big house. Um, they've outscored their, their opponents 110 to nothing in the first two weeks of the season. Um, Jack Cohen has just been on fire. Uh, they have talent everywhere, but – Right now, Wisconsin has an argument to say that we've had the best performances in the first two weeks of the season, and they are my top performer this week after another dominating win. Right. Uh, uh, we're doing this snake style, or are we, are we going back and forth? <laughs> Stay true to the form. Let's do snake. Yes, we'll, we'll do Love snake. Um, so my number two top performer is Maryland. Um, they have scored 142 points in the first two weeks. They dominated – a ranked ACC team and number 21 Syracuse 63 to 20 and it really probably could have been uglier um they as we all know they beat a poor team named Howard 79 to nothing last week 
but they continue the offensive dominance. Um, I think they could be a sleeper in the Big Ten. Me and Brandon both put them very low in our Big Ten rankings, but we might be – we might have to um, eat that <laughs> as Big Ten play comes because Maryland looks really good, and it looks like it could be because of their transfer quarterback. If you guys remember a few – um, the last few years, uh, Virginia Tech was pretty decent with a quarterback named Josh Jackson. Um, he transferred from Virginia Tech to Maryland, and he has 541 yards and seven touchdowns in the first two weeks of the season. So everybody watch out for Maryland, and for that, they are my uh, second top performer of the week. All right, and my second top performer of the week is going to be uh, Keaton Slovis, for, uh, the quarterback, the true freshman quarterback in USC. Stepping up big in this game against Stanford. Um, this is a USC team that could essentially at this point just forget about JT Daniels. He, he's hurt. And um, no, I'm kidding about that. But, but this is a team that apparently has just depth beyond depth at this quarterback position. I mean, we saw Keaton, uh, we saw Keaton Davis just put up insane numbers this weekend. Um, and, I mean, I don't think this one really needs that much explaining. I mean, he, he had a crazy weekend. And so, for that reason, he's my second top performer of the week. Um, and for number three, I've just got uh, Ohio State as a whole team. You know, this is an Ohio State team that I wasn't super high on to start the year out. Uh, they lost Urban Meyer. I thought that, that would be a huge hit to them. But apparently, Justin Fields had something different to say about that. J.K. Dobbins had something different to say about that. And they have just had, I mean, I, I can't even begin to describe how good they've looked. Um, I still think that Wisconsin is the better team in the Big Ten, but this this Ohio State team is one that, you know, and last week, you know, I said last, on the last episode, or not at last episode, yeah, it was the last episode, I said that Michigan would win the Big Ten um, East, you know, if they don't bounce back from this Army game that was so close, then Ohio State has a serious chance, and they may end up being Big Ten champions if uh, they can beat out Wisconsin. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of your top performers. Um, my number three is kind of a shout-out to Brandon for picking this game. Um, my number three performer is Colorado. Um, they, they looked really good. Uh, big upset over Nebraska, 34-31 overtime win, as we've talked about. Down 17 nothing at halftime, outscored 31-14 to in the second half. Uh, they had a new coach this year, Mel Tucker, uh, lots of SEC ties. Um, he left Georgia to come be the head coach. Um, this team is on a very strong upward trajectory. Uh, they have a big win over Colorado State in the first week, and this team could be a sneaker team in the Pac-12. Uh, a few years ago, they were in the championship. Uh, so don't sleep on this Colorado team. It, they look really good right now, and I think this win over Nebraska can be a springboard to a really, really good season. Right, right. Uh, and moving on from this segment, we're going to wrap this one, this episode up with our hot seat of the week. Um, this is a segment, you know, I'll explain it one more time. We've just got um, – it can be a coach who we think is on the hot seat about to be fired. It can be, you know, a player or it can be a team that – we don't think it's been performing well. Um, but Zach and I will each choose a few of these every week um, in our recap episode. 
to touch on. So, Zach, why don't we go ahead and do the same format we did last time? Um, I'm not sure how many you have, but we can, can just kind of do a snake if you want. Yeah, that works. Um, so, my number one on the hot seat is Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. Um, 0-2 start, another loss for Vandy to Purdue this week. Um, tough start, I mean, to play Vandy and then um, – in Georgia in the first week, very tough, 0-2. But they have LSU as their next game, so not looking too bright. So 0-3 is on the horizon, it looks like, for Vanderbilt. And they still have games at Ole Miss versus Missouri, at South Carolina, and at Florida. So this team is, in my opinion, will miss a bowl game and could have a terrible, terrible year. And they keep giving Derek Mason chances to turn this program around. But this could be the last straw for Derek Mason if he can't get this team into a bowl game or at least be somewhat competitive. And I agree with you. Um, you know, they played Purdue this past weekend. I think that, and this may just be my dumb brain, the way that it operates, but um, with the emphasis of, of the Trent Tyler student gate showing up at Purdue, I mean, was there really a way that they could lose this weekend? I mean, I guess not. But, I mean, Trent Tyler also did the coin toss in their bowl game against Auburn, and they lost 63-14. to 14, So We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Come on It's now. like they, they were motivated, and it's a, it's a great story, and I'm sure that team was out there to play. And I think we even prefaced last week when we did Big Ten Rankings. We're both – we both think Purdue could be really good, but it really wasn't as competitive as I thought it was going to be. They, they lost by a good bit. They really weren't in that game, so I think that's that's the big difference. And Vandy, if you lose but you compete and it's a tough game, you get the pass. But if you start getting blown out, they're not going to take that for very long. No, um, on my hot seat, um, my first my first player on the hot seat will be JT Daniels, um, the former <laughs> USC quarterback. Uh, he's gone, forgotten about. Slowest has stolen this job, and I mean. Honestly, uh, if if Slovis keeps performing the way he has, JT Daniels really might be in the transfer portal. He, he might be out of the job in Southern California. Um, obviously, you know, I'm having a little bit of fun with this pick, um, but but realistically, Slovis really has a chance to be this quarterback. Um, and moving on to my next pick, um, my, my on my hot seat, I have Texas defensive backs. Um, there's only one DBU. It's not Texas. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Um, it's definitely not Texas. Joe Burrow went 31 for 39 yards. I'm sorry, 31 for 39, uh, 471 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. And that interception, as I mentioned earlier, was by a linebacker on a tip pass. It was not by a defensive back. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. They're definitely on my hot seat, especially after wearing the shirts. And I don't know. You got to back up the talk, man. You can't allow them. It's five hundred yards passing. But moving on to my number two uh, hot seat pick is Charlie Strong at the University of South Florida. Um, we all know yeah. about the 49 to nothing blowout loss at home to Wisconsin. I love when you eat your words. Yeah. And they still have games against BYU at Navy, Cincinnati, Memphis, and at UCF. Um, missing a bowl is very likely this year. Um and I think it can be even uglier than that. And it's just how long do you give Charlie Strong time to build a team when you have UCF not far away 
absolutely dominating the conference year in and year out, not losing a regular season game in over two years. Um, so I think Charlie Strong could be on the way out if he doesn't pick up this season. Um, and my number three, I had a little bit of fun, like Brandon did last pick. Um, I, I'll say on the hot seat is the Alabama student section. There we um, go. Let's go. I mean, Nick Saban was not very happy with them. He has voiced his displeasure in the past about students leaving at halftime. Um, he thinks they should stay at the games. He said, um, if you expect the players to compete for 60 minutes, we expect you to sit in the stands for 60 minutes and cheer on the cheer on the team. Um, in my opinion, maybe they shouldn't play games like New Mexico State at you know 3.30 <laughs> in the afternoon when it's 115 degrees in southern Alabama. Um, but I get the point. As a, as a fan of college football, I don't leave early when I go to games, um, especially games where I'm rooting. Like, if I go to an Auburn game, I've never left an Auburn game before the end of the game. Um, so I get his frustration. But at the same time, I don't think it's plausible for the entire student section to stay all 60 minutes. I guess my main question there is that where are these students going? Because they're in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I mean, what is there to do other than watch football? I mean, I guess they could go to like, like rounders or something like that. I think that's the bar that's like popular up down there. But I mean, I there's know, nothing man. in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's oh yeah, no, it's not a fun place. I've been four or five times. It's Terrible. not great. Right. Um, and the thing is, like, you wonder if teams are actually scared to play Bama because you hear Nick Saban hinting at that. But I don't get that. Um, I don't get that sentiment. I don't see an Ohio State, a Clemson. Um, in Oregon, uh, Texas, or so on, to be scared to play Alabama. Um, Especially not when it brings in revenue like it would. I mean, these right? teams a home are... and home? I mean, come on, man. A home and home, any team would jump on that, especially a big team. Like, you don't think Clemson would love to play a home and home? Clemson has home and home set up with Texas, with Georgia. They had one just in with Auburn. I mean, I, I really think it's, they're just they're, – they don't want to play that caliber of team. They would like to play a lower, um, like a lower level top twenty-five team, rather than a really competitive Clemson team or something like that. Right. Um, and and finishing up my hot seat, uh, or at least my picks, I've got Auburn's offense. And this isn't, you know, this isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zach, I, I know you like this pick, but um, but it's just over the past two weeks they've looked pretty inconsistent. Um, you know, they haven't looked necessarily bad, but. Uh, in my opinion, I think Auburn has the highest ceiling of any team in the NCAA, but they also have the lowest floor. And so this team could end up anywhere. It's kind of unpredictable year by year where they're going to be. Um, and with this shaky offense that we've seen so far, I mean, they pulled out two wins. You know, they're they're 2-0, and including a win against Oregon. But um, they, they've got to get this offense in shape. But I know this is an offense that's being led by a true freshman quarterback. But um, – you know, to be able to perform with, with the likes of uh, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and the SEC West – I'm sorry, and just the SEC in general because Georgia's in the East, um, you know, they, they have to get this uh, offense under control. I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, I haven't looked – I have not looked amazing on offense. I mean, I give them some time. I mean, they have, a, have an easy game next week. They play a Kent State team um, that is kind of – not very good, I would say. Um, but I really think <clears> – but after that, they play A&M, and they have to have this figured out because A&M is not going to 
leave any time for a true freshman quarterback to figure it out. Right, right. Do you have any more hot seats? Um, no, I, I think that's about it. I mean, the obvious one is J- Jeremy Pruitt, but I feel like that would just be beating a beating a dead horse at this Man. point. I feel I feel like you know it can't get much worse, can it? No, we need to quit talking about them because I feel like talking about them just makes it worse. It just. <laughs> I feel like it makes our <laughs> listeners sad. Like, they're just get, like, oh, man. Zach's going to get emotional again. Um, oh, I don't know, man. I feel, I feel, like, I feel like we're turning off uh, Tennessee fans from the podcast, man. I feel like they're like, I'm still targeted. That's okay. That's fine. We don't really, we don't really need them anyway, right? I, I guess that's what I'm it, kidding. I that's what we need everybody. Get. I guess that's what you get from being a Tennessee, Tennessee fan. I mean. You had a choice. That's what you chose? You <laughs> like, you could have root for, like, UT Martin, bro. I had no expectations. Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> All right. So that'll wrap up this week's episode. Um, so we'll have this episode posted. Um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it's Monday now. And so we'll have it posted by, you know, by this morning. Hopefully, hopefully you listen to this midday, maybe, maybe night. Um, so we uh, are looking forward to our next episode, which will be our week three preview. Um, it'll be our fifth episode. Um, and as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, once we got 50 followers on Instagram, I was going to do a simulcast. So we're going to have a thing where we can interact with our listeners while we were recording. So we will keep you updated with that on Instagram more than likely uh, so that you know when we're recording and so that you can send in questions, you can send in uh, topics, things you want us to talk about. But other than that, because we did hit 50 followers. We are above 50 right now. Um, so yep. thank you to everybody who's followed the page, everyone who listens. Our listens from the first episode to now have just grown, I mean, exponentially. It, it's, it's, I didn't, you know, I think we're getting, I, don't, I didn't know I knew this many people um, is, I guess, what I'll say with that. <laughs> and so, so we are getting a good number of listens. I want to thank everybody for that. Um, besides the simulcast and, I think we're going to try to do that with the next episode. If it's not that next episode, it'll be coming up soon. Um, but for our, you know, for our next preview episode, um, we will be doing another pick six segment. So we'll choose the teams that we think have the best matchups this upcoming week. Yeah. We'll, we'll do an upset segment. Um, uh, we'll have a storyline of the week and uh, I'm trying to think, uh, We'll probably have some new segments just because we always have new segments. It's it's just one of those things. I mean, every single episode we've come out with new content. Um, and that's also another thing to be on the lookout for. So we did start a YouTube page. Go follow us. It's uh, it's just the Blue Bloods on YouTube. Uh, we'll link that in our Instagram. That way everyone can go there. Um, we we are going to try our best to start producing content instead of, uh, you know, we and we've had you know, we've had recaps of our episodes on our Instagram page. Uh, ideally, we would like to start posting uh, little clips of our episodes. Maybe we'll start up some video, um, see what we can do. Uh, so watch out for some big changes in the coming days. Um, you know, we're trying to make this more interesting for our listeners. If any, And like I said in the last episode, if anybody has any suggestions, our DMs are open. Uh, so go ahead and send those in. Don't feel, you know, like you, like we won't listen. We read all of our DMs. Um, and yeah, yeah. 
yeah, and just be looking uh, for new content on the Instagram page. Go like it, share it, all that stuff. We updated the logo this week for you guys. Hopefully, it looks a lot more current, um, and it looks a little bit nicer than it did. Um, we'll be making little tweaks and changes as we go. Um, we just want to tr- keep trying to get a better product out there for you guys. Uh, we're still working on getting a Twitter. We've been slacking. We will have that up this week sometime. Um, I'll, we'll make an announcement on Instagram. You know what? You know what? Like that. I'm going to say it, Zach. The Twitter will be up by the time that this episode airs. So if you're listening to this right now, our Twitter is live. I wish I could plug the handle. I don't know what the handle will be. We're going to try to get the underscore blue bloods. I can't imagine why that would be taken. So follow us on Twitter at the underscore blue bloods. Yeah. And we're still trying to get the podcast up on Apple podcasts. Um, I know I had um, like multiple people ask me about that. We are, we are working on it. It's not up there yet again, but we will be pushing for that to be up there. Um, As soon as, as soon as it's up there, we will post on all the social media we have to go check it out. Um, right now you can catch the podcast on Anchor, on YouTube, and on Spotify. Um, and yeah, other than that, just be looking for new stuff. Um, we'll post announcements on the Instagram every time we come up with something new for you guys. Yes, absolutely. So uh, be on the lookout for all these new updates, and I think that's a wrap. <laughs>